Welcome to the Ice Colony Story Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Pelzer. We're here to tell the stories of people seeking refuge in all forms, guided by a mission to inspire humanity, generosity, and empathy. This episode's story is titled, Two of the 1475, by Valentino Juarez, narrated by Joanna Ruesca. Joanna is about giving back. She gives back to people, communities, and cats. She enjoys raising awareness for social issues and reminding us that we're all human. Two of the 1475 is an entirely fictional story inspired by a press release stating that a limited budget has prevented agencies from tracking 1,475 migrant children after placing them in sponsor homes. We hope this story opens your hearts and minds and trust that you'll take it from there. From the Washington Post, April 27, 2018. Federal officials lost track of nearly 1,500 migrant children last year after a government agency placed the minors in the homes of adult sponsors in communities across the country, according to testimony before a Senate subcommittee Thursday. The Health and Human Services Department has a limited budget to track the welfare of vulnerable, unaccompanied minors, and realized that 1,475 children could not be found after making follow-up calls to check on their safety, an agency official said. Two of 1,475 by Valentino Juarez Lupe never got a chance to fully understand why this rest stop's bathroom had to be impeccable. Confident that cleaning this bathroom was better than living in daily fear back home, she did nothing to try to understand. She was simply thankful to have a job. Many people in her situation couldn't say the same. Her older sister Cristina, however, knew the reason why and was fine keeping Lupe in the dark. Cristina also knew what happened to them. She knew that they were stuck here, cleaning this bathroom for an undetermined amount of time. There it is again said Lupe. That smell. Cristina saw Lupe's hand shaking and held it tightly. They were four years apart, and although Cristina was only 16, she had been the only mother-like figure for Lupe since they left Mexico. She had to protect her at all costs. Can you smell it? Lupe inhaled again, and her legs gradually went weak. I know that smell. They looked at each other and Lupe began to cry. Where is it coming from? asked Christina. Not in here, said Lupe, creating a sharp echo as she dropped her mop and walked toward the smell. She didn't have a clue as to why this smell, the smell of pine tar, was so familiar, so intense, so frightening. It's coming from one of the other bathrooms, whispered Lupe at the doorway. Wait, said Christina, her hand on Lupe's shoulder. Are you sure you want to go out there? Don't you? You know the smell too, right? Christina lowered her gaze to the ground, took her hand off Lupe's shoulder, and nodded slowly. The moment Lupe walked out, she saw the shadow of a man, standing next to the far end bathroom building. There's someone here, whispered Lupe, hiding by the doorway. Who could possibly be here at two in the morning? I don't know, replied Christina. Let's check it out. Are you serious? We already cleaned those bathrooms. If we don't keep these restrooms clean, we'll be out of a job. I don't want to go back to Mexico, do you? 
Lupe rubbed the back of her head, confused about almost everything. Come on, said Cristina, slowly walking out of the restroom. The surreptitious walk got them to the restroom next to the far end without detection. Cristina indicated a shadow cast by the moonlight from the last bathroom. As they approached the shadow, Cristina kicked a can over and it rolled next to the person. A middle-aged woman in a black dress, black belt, and black heels bent down to see what made the noise. She took out a phone and made a call. Someone's here, she whispered. Do a sweep of the area before they get here. As soon as she hung up, a car from the adjacent parking lot turned on its headlights, rolled over the engine, and began circling the rest stop. Hide, said Lupe. Cristina, reluctant to hide before seeing who was in the vehicle, made her way behind the last restroom. They're going to find us, cried Lupe. Not if we stay hidden, replied Cristina, looking around the building, observing the woman. It's her, said Lupe. The smell, that tar, it's coming from her. I smell it too. Suddenly, another car pulled up to the rest stop. A man walked out of the parked car and the woman waved him over. Looking this good at two in the morning, said the man. How do you do it, Leticia? Welcome back, Pablo, said the woman. You know what to do. Make it quick. Leticia followed Pablo to the restroom and stood in front of the doorway. Leticia, quivered Lupe. Leticia, we know her. Cristina nodded. It's her, cried Lupe. It's her. She dropped to her knees and gripped her hair with her hands. The painful memories came flashing back almost all at an instant. They made it to the U.S. legally. They even had an ACLU lawyer connect them with a sponsor to live with when they were granted asylum. Once they made it with their sponsor, it was as if everyone had forgotten about them. The check-ins never happened, their documents never arrived, and their sponsors neglected them. They tried reaching out to the lawyer from the ACLU, but he had left to work with a different agency. They met a few people at church who told them about a sawmill that gave work to undocumented people. They made it all the way to the U.S. the right way, only to have to begin an illegal process because they were forgotten. When they made it to the sawmill, they were taken to a basement with others of all ages and given food and water. My name is Leticia, said the well-dressed woman holding a clipboard. I'm here to find you jobs where you can make a decent wage in your current situation. It will be a difficult life from now on. You're nobody here. You have no family, no friends, no papers, no trace of your existence. If something happens and it puts my sawmill in jeopardy, I'll save my business before I save you. If you have any doubts, you're free to go and figure out how to survive in the U.S. on your own. Of the 14 people in the basement, three left. Let's get started, she said. Leticia read names from a clipboard, told them what they were going to do and for how much. Lupe and Cristina, she said. Here, said Cristina standing up. You and Lupe will be cleaning restrooms at a nearby rest stop. $10 a day each. They must all be spotless by the end of the day. I mean so spotless, you'd be willing to have a meal in there. When I arrive, and it could be at any hour, they must be spotless. Understood? They did. They understood so well that they even spent some nights waiting for the final travelers to stop in and clean after them. Their attempts to salvage their $10 a day was a mistake. 
A week into their job, a man walked into a restroom, carrying a body, at three in the morning. What should we do? asked Lupe. Nothing, said Cristina. We wait until he's gone and go clean up. But didn't you see he was carrying? You're my number one priority, Lupe. I left Mexico to keep you safe. I contacted these people to make money to feed you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. If that means letting whatever happened in that restroom happen, then so be it. We have nothing left but each other. I'm not letting anything happen to you. Isn't that sweet, said a raspy voice from behind. The man had snuck up and heard their entire conversation. Miles from civilization, from police, from any sort of help. All they could do was run. But the man grabbed Lupe before they could make a break for it and held her by the throat with his forearm. You're going to follow me into that restroom, he said to Cristina. If you don't, I'll break her neck. No, cried Cristina. Please, just let her go. The restroom, he demanded. She looked to her left, but there was no trace of anyone coming to their aid. Tears that had already formed in her eyes began rolling down profusely when they entered the bathroom. There was an unconscious girl, around Lupe's age, on the bathroom floor. The moment she saw the girl, she suddenly became very aware of their entire journey. The escape from the local cartels looking to kidnap them and sell them to the highest bidder. The second of six coyotes that tried to touch her inappropriately and how they only survived that if she let him kiss her feet. The smell of tar that emanated from every part of Leticia who spent her entire day running an illegal business from her sawmill. And now this. But this couldn't be the end. Not after everything. The pine tar continued to resonate in Cristina's mind until she finally blurted, We work for Leticia. What did you say? said the man startled. We work for Leticia. He fished in his pocket for a cell phone and began calling. Leticia, said the man. Do you have two girls cleaning the restrooms off the ten? There was a moment of silence as he awaited her reply. <sighs> okay, he exhaled impatiently. You have thirty minutes. Those thirty minutes were longer than the journey to the U.S. Leticia arrived and bolted into the restroom. She paused to glance at the girls sitting on the floor and shook her head. Let them go, Isaac, said Leticia. Go wait in the car. The girls didn't need any more instruction to run out of the restroom. They held each other in the back seat, crying, hugging, struggling to breathe. Cristina kissed Lupe's forehead and wiped her tears. What were you doing here? asked Leticia as she got in the car. Cleaning, said Lupe, struggling to get words out through sobs. People come here late at night, and we wanted to make sure they were clean by the following morning. Stupid said Leticia softly. Stupid girls. Here, drink this. She twisted off the cap of two bottles of water and handed it to the girls. They drink. I'm sorry, said Leticia, but what goes on here is too important to my business. People here need to feel safe, secure, isolated. I'm sorry, but no one can find out about this. That was the last thing Lupe remembered before she woke up in the same public restroom where they were held captive. 
She never questioned what she was doing there. All she knew is that's where she belonged. Now she knew why. Do you remember? asked Christina. Lupe nodded. I keep forgetting, don't I? It's only been twice that you've forgotten, but I think it's getting better. Are you okay? Yeah, I just needed a little reminder. Better than the first time we found out, right? A whole lot better, said Cristina, giving Lupe a kiss on the forehead. What are they doing? They sell people to the highest bidders. People like us. People who can be easily forgotten. Or have been forgotten. How do we stop them? They can't see us, so that works a little in our favor. But we can't do anything to them. We can touch objects, make noise, make things clatter, really scare them into stopping whatever's going on in there. And then what? They had us clean these restrooms for a reason. From this point on out, we don't let anything happen to anyone in here ever again. We'll keep these restrooms completely clean. Okay, said Lupe. They moved with utmost care into the bathrooms, waiting for the right moment to make a commotion that could only be described as supernatural. We hope you enjoyed the story. We publish the content on this podcast and other stories and poems for free online. Check out our Instagram and Twitter at the Ice Colony and click on the links to read the content. I'm your host, Cynthia Pelzer. If you'd like to reach me to learn about being blessed and well-dressed or to simply connect, you can reach me on my website at swankysin.com. Did we inspire humanity, generosity, or empathy? Consider donating or volunteering to the following organizations. Order Angels, National Immigration Forum, National Immigration Law Center, No More Deaths, or go to charitynavigator.org to find other organizations. You can also share this podcast with others to continue to build awareness. Thank you for listening to the Ice Colony Podcast.